I'm Chris Motes, and this is Faith in Politics. On this broadcast, we range from the soul to the state as we cultivate those virtues and explore those principles that help us live well as faithful Catholics in this great land. We're coming up on our uh, 2021 legislative session here in South Dakota, a host of issues that I hope to be talking about in the future. Um, But one of the things that has just come up time and again in the past uh, legislative sessions that the Catholic Conference has been active in has just been family law stuff. And we're talking about relationships between children, whether they're uh, born children or pre-born children. There's a new advocacy organization, kind of leader of a new movement that is really excited. I've got Katie Faust, uh, really exciting, I should say. I've got Katie Faust on the program with me today. She's the founder and director of Them Before Us. The tagline is children's rights before adult desires. Katie, welcome to the program. Thank you. And um, I'm exciting and excited. (laughs) I'm very excited to be here. Um, One of the reasons I'm excited to be here is because all this time, just corresponding with you through email, I thought your last name was Motz. Aha. It turns out it's really M-O-A-T-S, Motz. Motz. Runs with boats. Yeah. It's like the little river around a castle. Right. Like strong tower. I mean, like you've got all kinds of like really nice imagery going on here. Uh, Thank you. Hedge of protection. Yeah. Hedge of protection. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of, that's a little poke, uh, not poke. That's a little, that's a little teasing. Katie, uh, Katie, I'm really excited about our conversation today. And I don't know if people know this. We can go full on like Catholic (laughs) Protestant war. No, like no. we can do that all through the time. I don't want to scandalize no. my listeners. Um, so <laughs> yeah. one of the, Katie and I were just visiting about this before we hit a uh, record on our conversation here is that one of the just beautiful parts about uh, a silver lining, if you will, of just the darkness of the world is that mm-hmm. followers of Christ, um, be they in communion with Rome or, or not, uh, be they in protest of some form, um, we just see one another as as like beacons in the darkness and we draw closer mm-hmm. together. So Katie is, I didn't realize this until we were talking today. Um, Katie's a, a, a Protestant, although we share many, many friends in common, both uh, Catholic mm-hmm. and, and Protestant. So them before us, Katie, tell us about what yeah. them before us is and why it's so important today. Yeah, I got involved in this whole marriage and family debate by accident. Um, It really was a protest against the um, kind of cultural narrative of um, marriage, right? So I I didn't intend to get involved in um, conversations that will get you kicked out of Facebook mom groups, right? But that's really where I am now, Mm. mainly because what I saw taking place in 2012 around the definition of marriage was one where adult desires were completely driving the narrative and trampling over the rights of children. Um, And, you know, my husband and I had worked with youth for a long time. And what we saw was whenever kids lost a relationship with their mother or father, they suffered. And it didn't matter how that happened, whether their parent was killed in a tractor accident um, or their dad just ran off with the neighbor, the, you know, the, the woman next door or um, mom decided to transition and then leave the marriage and get into a same sex partnership. And like, it didn't matter how a kid lost their parent. There was a wound, a deep wound um, that was left as a result. But then, so that's just the reality that I think like pre 2012, 
almost everybody recognized, like, this is really sad when kids lose their mom or dad. But then the gay marriage debate came on the scene. And what I heard from the gay marriage camp is kids love being raised by two men or two women, which necessarily means that they have lost their mother and father or yeah. mother or father. Um, and that was an injustice, right? Like we look at kids who have lost a parent to death and we mourn with them. But now we are getting this new wave of push for mother loss and father loss. And we're calling it progress because it validates the desires of adults. So that's kind of how I first got into this. And the more I got into it, the more I saw every single conversation about marriage and family is driven by the desires of adults. And the cost when we get the answers wrong is always the rights of children, right? Mm. That it is a 100% guaranteed that if you're looking at something, whether it's a thruple, right? The, the topic of polygamy, whether it's looking at who goes on a child's birth certificate, um, whether it's looking at issues of infertility, whether you're looking at parents going through a challenging marriage and seeking an easy divorce, for example. Like all of those conversations are, are obsessively focused on what adults want. Yes. And oftentimes when what adults want become the center of the conversation, children's right to life and right to be known and loved by their mother and father becomes the necessary sacrifice for adults to live as they please. Um, and so my organization, Then Before Us, simply states, children have a right to life and a right to their mother and father. Adults, order your lives accordingly. Yes. Okay? And that means that um, we will offend every single adult group out there at some point. Sure. Um, because we, are, we insist that you conform to these child rights, whether you are single or married or gay or straight. No adult gets a pass when it comes to children's rights. All adults must conform so that children don't lose something that they're made for. So Katie, and for, for people listening right now, if they want to go pull up the website, like while they're listening to us talk, it's thembeforeus.com. I really just encourage people to go out and take a look at it. I got to say that I just think that this is a really profound insight to like found an organization on the principle that children are more important than adults and we ought to order our lives around them. I, I got it. Got to thinking about this a couple of years ago. You may know Helen Alvare. Uh, Helen, she's on my advisory board. Of course, she is. Helen. Helen is a former uh, pro-life spokeswoman for the U.S. Bishops Conference and teaches family law um, at a at a major law school. And she's got uh, a little textbook out called "Putting." Um, uh, let's see, ch putting children right, children's rights first in U.S. family law and policy. Ah, you pulled it off your shelf. I meant to do that. It's a, it's a great, great little book. I've passed it out to a number of lawyers and policymakers in South Dakota. And the whole idea is that like children, um, not only like should they like be important to like our culture and our morality, but in fact, even, even our law and our law is written around. So we talk about like in South Dakota statutes, Anytime we're going to transfer custody of a child, the best interests of the child are what drive that uh, custody, you know, in an adoption proceeding, uh, for example. But one of the reasons I think this is so profound, um, just the insight to found your organization on this principle, is that I think broadly speaking, people, wherever they're at in society, even if they disagree with Christians on some really fundamental other things, we all agree that children 
like children are important. They're worthy of our love. They're worthy of our protection. And so to like start talking about their rights, I think can be um, a great entry point to conversation. And I understand them before us even is really like including a lot of like a diverse constituency. Is that Yep. Is that right? Yeah, you're exactly right. So first, let's talk about um, what happens when you center all conversations around the rights of children. Um, well, first of all, you get correct policy outcomes 100% of the time, right? It, you don't have to treat all of these different marriage and family issues as, um, as, as completely isolated disconnected. You know, it's not like surrogacy is disconnected from divorce, which is disconnected from donor conception, which is disconnected from the question about whether or not gay couples have the right to adopt. I mean, every single thing that has to do with marriage and family, if you begin with children's rights to be known and loved by their mother and father, if you can like lay that foundation, then actually these other answers come pretty easily right? It's pretty, that's a template that you can lay over the top of any question about marriage and family and come up with the right policy answer. And when you are not just going after one issue, like the definition of marriage or um, surrogacy, you actually get to build an incredible diverse coalition, right? And our coalition has um, Muslim supporters and um, atheist supporters, and there's a fair amount of gay and lesbian supporters. We actually have um, people who the world would call gay and lesbian at every level of our leadership um, and on staff with us. Um, because when you are, it's a lot like the pro-life movement, when you can stand uncompromisingly on the rights of children and then take that battle wherever it goes, not necessarily targeting certain adult groups, you have the ability to truly form a global coalition of people who are marching shoulder to shoulder to defend the rights of children. Because what you're saying is we all will choose to do the hard thing for the sake of children, not just homosexuals, you know, not just people struggling with infertility. At some point, every adult is going to have to do hard things to protect the rights of children. And um, that's kind of the tagline in the book that I've got coming out next month is what's the solution to all of these issues? Well, it's simple and difficult, and it is that adults need to do hard things so the rights of children are protected. I, I love hearing you say that. I, uh, before, earlier in my life, I served as a Marine officer. So just like this call to like doing hard things, it's like, yes, we were made to do hard things. And that's right. so much in our like Catholic DNA too, of like the call to greatness, the call to holiness, is it called a virtue, which is not the easy path. It's the narrow right. path. So just to hear you talk about, and I think that's something in our like sort of soft, like Hollywood consumer society, we like forget to call people to heroism. Yes. So you mentioned this book that you've got coming out, um, Them Before Us, Why We Need a Global Children, uh, Children's Rights Movement. Tell yeah. us a little bit about the book. Um, it's amazing. I might have gone on a little too long. I <laughs> I recorded the audiobook for it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, we just put it all in there. But you know what? It all needs to be in there. And we even cut out tons of stuff that I wish was in there. But you read this book, you will know more than anybody else about all of these issues that are assaulting marriage and family. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got, first of all, we begin with what are the rights of children? What are these natural rights? How do we know that they exist? What are the impact of protecting them? Um, and so we talk a little bit about natural law in there. We make the connection between the pro-life movement. Like this is really just the other side of the coin. That's if you're right. pro-life, right? This is the rights of children on the other side of the womb. That's and we really point. need to do both, Yes. right? And then we talk about how um, 
we all know in our heart, like based on our own experience that this matters. And then we spend the next chapter um, talking about biology and why biology matters to the parent-child relationship. There is such a massive push, right, to redefine parenthood away from biology and adoption and towards intent-based parenthood, right? I intend to parent this child, therefore I'm the parent. Um, well, that's garbage for a lot of reasons. Be you know, one of those being that biological parents statistically are the safest, most invested in, most connected to, most protective of their children. Um, and yeah, there's obviously exceptions, horrible, terrible, like don't let me meet you in a dark alley with a gun exceptions if of biological parents who abuse their children. Sure. But statistically, yeah. the most dangerous person in a child's life is a cohabiting unrelated male. And so to pretend that biology doesn't matter right. in the parent-child relationship is dangerous. Come on, isn't it, isn't it just love that makes a family, Katie? I know. I, yeah. I am, I am, Explain like that a little whole, bit. <laughs> my whole book is, um, is a wrecking ball to the modern family concept, right? And when you say modern family, that's just code for the kid had to lose something to be in that family. Yeah. Um, and sometimes kids lose parents due to tragedy, but when we insist that a child lose something to join a family, that's an injustice. Yeah. Um, and then we go chapter by chapter and we look at the major assaults on children's rights today. You know, so we go, we talk about divorce, which we have had, um, a lot of pro-family groups have failed to really address divorce. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we didn't, we didn't bring out, um, we didn't bring out the big guns until it got to same-sex marriage, but all of this began with divorce, right? So we talk about divorce and the harms um, that it brings on children and understand that there's times where divorce or separation may be necessary, but that's not the majority of divorces that take place these days. Um, but the minimizing of the rights of children, that's where that conversation began was with no-fault divorce. Then we talk about same-sex parenting. Um, we go through all of the research on same-sex parenting. Um, then we talk about donor conception, you know, children conceived through sperm and egg donation. Then we've got an entire chapter on surrogacy, which um, I know that fight's coming back to you guys and yeah. everybody in your state needs to be ready for it because you're going to have those conversations with friends. Then we talk about adoption and how adoption um, is distinct from reproductive technologies, how adoption is an institution designed to, like you said, serve the child, but sperm and egg donation and surrogacy is a marketplace designed to meet the desires of adults, right? The clients are completely different. Yeah. So um, you come away from this book. Oh, and the very, very best part is there's just hundreds of stories, maybe like 150 of kids who lived through these new forms of family and how it impacted them. And you cannot read these stories and listen to these quotes and walk away going, love makes a family. You can't. Right. You go, okay, if I'm going to support the intentional erasure or denial of children's rights so an adult can live as they please, that is the kid that I'm making pay the price. Right, right. You know, and I, I appreciate too how you say that the book is, it's, it's big. There's a lot to it. And I, I, I won't forget, I was at a conference a couple of years ago, at which Helen Oliver was speaking. And she said, when we're talking about these issues, you know, be it um, uh, artificial reproductive technologies or surrogacy or, or the topic that she was speaking about that day was, was gender ideology and the way that sort of warps and twists our understanding of human nature. She said, we Catholics 
are we Christians? We've got to be the smartest person in the room. Right. We've got to know what we're talking about. And we've got to be able to, to identify not just when we're making like metaphysical arguments, like the philosophy that undergirds like our approach to reality of all that is, but in fact, even some of the scientific and technical stuff too. So um, uh, I, I really appreciate that. One of the other things that, that Catholics will see if they pull up the book is that there's a foreword written by uh, Professor Robert George, who is, I would, I would say he's kind of famous in some, some Catholic circles. He's just been around a long yeah. time. And, um, and he, he's known as a natural law uh, guy, like philosopher. He's a lawyer, uh, famous, I don't know, maybe 20, 30 years ago for writing a Supreme Court brief on Mother Teresa's behalf um, uh, on an abortion matter, but really done great work in, in natural law, which has been, um, as we were kind of alluding to earlier, a point of great unity yeah. amongst um, a lot of Christians and non-Christians too, who can sort of just using human reason uh, come to, to know certain truths. Um, you mentioned surrogacy, uh, Katie. That's, that's an issue that is going to continue to be an issue in South Dakota. And I think it was surrogacy that, an issue that we first connected on. Um, and you, you provided a very, a very well-written letter to our legislators in South Dakota last year when the, when the topic came up. We're expecting it's, it's going to come up again. And is maybe an issue that a lot of people haven't really thought about, especially if maybe they're, um, they're good Christians, they're, they're pro-life. You know, who's, I'm for babies. Who could be against babies? Uh, you know, surrogacy where somebody's hiring another person to bear a child for them. What's, you know, how do you, what, what do you say to that person who's like, isn't this just like an adoption? This is, this is pro-life, isn't it? Yeah, there's a lot to say about it. Um, and like you said, the book is long, but really each of these chapters deserves its own book, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so the chapter on surrogacy, we spent a lot of time um, kind of dissecting all the different things that you just brought up, because unfortunately, there is a lot of moral confusion um, on the right and even in Christian circles about this, because we love babies. We spend so much time like fighting the baby takers of the world that we don't understand the evil that's going on with the baby makers in that industry, right? The fertility industry um, is not a child-friendly um establishment. Right. So surrogacy is not about babies. Surrogacy in short is on is about on demand designer babies shipped worldwide. That is what surrogacy is all about. Okay. Um, and abortion plays a major role, like we talked about a little bit before the call, um, surplus embryos and burning through undesirable air embryos and sex selection um, and viability plays a huge role in um, whether or not, you know, in, in surrogacy. You know, there was one study that showed that only 7.5% of lab created children will be born alive. Mm. The rest of them are going to be. Um, frozen indefinitely, yeah. or um, used for research, or discard, thawed and discarded, or determined to be the wrong sex, or not viable, or they will die during the transfer, or they will be selectively reduced, which is just code for abortion, if yeah. there's too many babies that take, or if they decide that they're the wrong sex, or something like that. Like surrogacy in general, like overall, this is not about babies, right? This is about creating the product that the adults are paying for. So um, next, let's talk about why it's different from adoption. Um, in adoption, I'm an adoptive mom. And um, 
there was no guarantee that I was going to have a baby at the end of the adoption process, right? Mm -hmm. I was not the client. So I used to work at a Chinese adoption agency, the largest Chinese adoption agency in the world at the time, probably still is. Um, but I remember one time I was talking with my boss, the founder, and I said, I'm working so hard to get this couple approved. I'm just, it's, we've run into so many roadblocks. And she goes, Katie, those adults are not our client. They may pay us, but we're not here for them. The child is our client, right? Our goal is not to give every adult a kid. Yes. Our adult, our goal is to find parents for every child that needs them. Yes. And that means some adults are not going to make the cut. And that's yes. how it's supposed to be. That's not how it works in surrogacy. And in general, it doesn't, that's not how it works for any reproductive technology, whether you're going for sperm or egg donation or whatever it is. There's no background checks. There's no screening. There's no vetting. You know, my husband and I had to do like references and home studies. We had to like submit medical exams and bank statements. The social worker came to our house and interviewed our kids and looked around and like, and spent a lot of time with us. And then they did post-placement supervision. Do you know why? Because social workers are not fools. Yeah. They know that handing a child over to non-biologically related adults is statistically risky for the kids. Yeah. How many background checks are there for the single guy who's created a bunch of embryos and hired and has 50,000 bucks to hire a surrogate? How many background checks does he undergo? Well, I got to tell you, this brings up a story from our legislative uh, session last year. Testifying in committee was a woman, um, a surrogate. She was currently pregnant with her third surrogate pregnancy and she had entered into a contract with a couple in China. Um, mm -hmm. I'm presuming that there was no South Dakota um, court, you know, sending a social worker to China to inspect this home. But the, there were a couple of remarkable things that, that came out remarkable in, in kind of a sad way that this, this woman said, don't worry. Um, the contract is drafted such that the child will not be an American citizen. You know, which, um, which is just not true. You know, if you're born in this country, you're a citizen. But really just kind of, for me, it was evidence of, of the really the, the lack of due diligence and care that is being given to the children in these, in these scenarios. Right. Um, and the, this, yeah, the answer is like, there isn't any kind of vetting yeah. for the parents that are going to take this child home. Um, many of the times, one of those people that take the baby home are not biologically related. Sometimes nobody's related to the child. I mean, you talk about a complete inversion of the best interest of the child, the best practices that we have developed for adoption through decades, yeah. right? And none of that happens in surrogacy and reproductive, big, big fertility completely blows past all of those safeguards that we've developed for adoptive kids because it's all about the money, right? And if the adults yeah. can pay for it, they get it. Um, and then finally, I'll just talk about surrogacy for those in your audience who are going, okay, but let's say that it's a married man and woman who are using their own egg and their own sperm, and there are no um, surplus embryos, and there's no selective reduction, and there's yeah. no sex selection, and they, and they only implant the number of embryos that they made. And then the moment the baby's born, they hand the baby over to the biological parents, and nobody's getting paid. Nobody's getting exploited. What about that? Is that okay? Yeah. And the answer is no. Because as pro-life advocates understand, there's really something special about the mother-child bond as any woman that's been pregnant understands, that's right. right? That that baby is born and you know who that baby wants? Mama. Mom and only mom. Yeah. Right. We don't put babies on the chest of random strangers so they can form a bond. We put them on their mother's chest because they have an existing bond that and to cut that bond is an injustice. So sometimes that happens because of tragedy. 
and we recognize it. But to force a child to sacrifice the bond with the only person they've ever known so adults can have their desires met, you're asking the weakest to sacrifice for the strong. Um, And that just goes against justice in general, but it certainly goes against every Christian principle that I know as well. Yeah, I love that point. And it's actually for those that are well-versed in South Dakota uh, pro-life legal strategy, um, we've got a couple of statutes contested in court going back a few decades. The court battles are still going on, but actually the key issue that the legislature deliberately used to advance the pro-life cause in courts was the special relationship between a mother and her unborn child. She has a, that, that child is a, is a unique living human being. She has a relationship with that human being. That relationship is protected in law. And so that, you know, whenever we're, we sh- the law already treats it very seriously when we fracture that relationship as with adoption, but that's in recognition that something is already broken. The point with this, the scenario you pose, you know, this very loving couple using their own um, gametes is that we're deliberately fracturing that relationship between the child and, and the woman who gave birth to it. When, when a woman gives birth to a child, what do we call her? We call her a mother. That, it's simple. Mm-hmm. So we should never deliberately create life for the sole purpose of fracturing that relationship. Mm -hmm. We've got a a couple of uh, minutes left here, here, Katie. One thing that I maybe just want to bring up, uh, because you you guys are working in so much. I think you just had your first amicus brief uh, filed at the Supreme Court. Is that right? No, it was our third. Your third. Oh, I'm missing them. I need to get the other ones and read those too. I thought it was a really uh, nice brief though. And it was focusing on on birth certificates, which Mm -hmm. is another issue we may see come up in South Dakota. And so far as some judges have been um, not following the rule of law in in manipulating birth certificates. But maybe give us the, the 30 second version of your interest as an organization in birth certificates. Yeah. So um, birth certificates exist to serve children and increasingly what we're seeing is adults are treating it as a second marriage license or a declaration of intent. But children actually have a right to um, a factual birth certificate. It oftentimes is the first connection that they have to both biological parents. Um, And it's not something where adults say, well, this is how I want the child. This is what I want the child to believe. It really is just a tool that should reflect the realities of a child's birth. We would not change a child's birth weight. We wouldn't change a child's birth day. But somehow we believe that we can change those entries that have to do with the two people responsible for the child's existence. And those two people actually matter a great deal to kids. Um, And so we filled our amicus brief with stories of kids who didn't have a factual birth certificate and how that impacted them um, throughout their life. Well, I got to go get caught up in the other two amicus because the one that I read was just amazing. I'm going to, I'm going to wrap us up with um, just a a quotation from the Catholic catechism. It's 2378 um, for those that, that have theirs handy at home. And here's, here's what's written. A child is not something owed to one, but is a gift. The supreme gift of marriage is a human person. A child may not be considered a piece of property, an idea to which an alleged right to a child would lead. In this area, only the child possesses genuine rights. The right to be the fruit of the specific act of conjugal love of his parents, the right to be respected as a person from the moment of his conception. Thanks for coming on the show, and I hope we can do this again some other time. Yeah, thank you for having me. And um, stand strong, people, because no one's going to do this for you, right? The elites have abandoned Mm. you. 
Um, your political leaders often don't have the courage to do this. You're never mm -hmm. going to hear this from media. The education establishment won't do it. So it's time for you to become the expert um, and do the hard things. Amen. Thank you, dear listeners, as always, for tuning in. If you want to reach out and uh, drop us a note, what do you think? sdcatholicconference.org. Click contact us. Until next time, live well. Mm -hmm.